And the one that I, I'm saving for last are social media videos. Those are the ones who are getting so much attention and energy now, especially as nonprofits continue to transition to more of a digital first approach to communications and marketing. So much energy and thought is being put into social media videos, but there's such little understanding about what really works on social media. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back. Let's another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today in studio, I've got joining me Doug Scott. Now, he is the founder and CEO of a company called Tectonic Video, and they are a leading video agency for not-for-profits. We had an amazing conversation around video, video strategy, what works, what doesn't work, what you should hire an agency for, uh, what you should be doing in-house, uh, user-generated content. And then we finished off our conversation today talking about remote and online fundraising raisers for not-for-profits and how this is working for business as well. So taking these big gallows and events and what happens now that, that we're not gathering in large groups. So Doug and his team have worked with not-for-profits all across the U.S. and around the world to create award-winning videos that drive massive results for the not-for-profits and charities that he works with. He's been featured in the New York Times, NPR, CNN, and Adweek, and he is a frequent guest lecturer at Stanford University on the power of storytelling for not-for-profit organizations. So I'd like you to join me in welcoming Doug Scott to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, hey, Scott, super excited to have you on the podcast today. So welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast. Hey, Doug, great to be here. Well, you're working in an area that's got a number of things that really piqued my interest. One is video. So people have finally woken up to uh, the importance of video for marketing. And the third or second was strategy. And the third is not for profits. And um, I like all of those spaces and those topics. So do you want to share with our audience just an overview of kind of what you do and um, how you help people? Of course, my pleasure. Tectonic Video exists to help nonprofits realize the power of video to accomplish their mission. And that could be through marketing or for fundraising, but also for other things, internal communications, training, hiring, even their programmatic work. So we are a video agency for nonprofits. So we start with strategy. It could be an organization-wide or a campaign-specific video strategy. Then we implement that strategy from concept all the way through filming, through post-production, then we can advise on distribution and measurements. And we're humbled to work with some of the world's most amazing nonprofits. I'm a little biased because I love our clients so much, <laughs> but we make PSAs for the American Lung Association. We do fundraising videos for World Relief, um, branded content for Mutual Rescue and educational videos for groups out of MIT, Harvard, and Stanford. I just have the best job in the world. I get to spend my day helping amazing people doing amazing things do more of it through video. 
That's that's really cool. Now, in terms of strategy, I mean, I'm sure there's a there's a number of different um, areas that the not for profits are looking for help with um, increasing their, you know, their impact in the world. And so you mentioned one, which was uh, raising money. And then I'm assuming also it's helpful to recruit volunteers as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Getting people to be involved, involved in your organization. Video is a great means for doing that. And it's Video, I mean, taking a step back, video is such an important tool for nonprofits, period, and for for-profit companies as well, because it's such a powerful communications medium. Uh, I like to say it's extremely efficient. I mean, practically speaking, it takes 60 seconds to read 250 words, but in that same 60 seconds, a video could show you dozens of images that are rich in color and detail and context, and they combine that with music and design and dialogue. I mean, it would take thousands of written words to communicate what you can do in 60 seconds in a video. Uh, video is also highly engaging. It combines all these different learning styles and senses together uh, into a, a single uh, shareable piece of content. But some really cool research as well. Why video is so powerful is that it's preferred over many other forms of communication. Facebook's own research division came out recently and said that experiments that they're running on Facebook and Instagram say that video content is looked at five times longer than static content yeah. uh, and that it often generates more engagement. And I've seen other research that says that when both video and text are available on the same web page, 72% of people choose to watch a video rather than read the copy. And that one's preference for video increases as their age decreases. So if you want to reach younger audiences uh, in the nonprofit space, it could be prospective donors or volunteers, like video is key. So taking advantage of the power of video is essential for nonprofits, especially in these days. So do you guys, um, you know, just a geeky question because I'm a, I'm a you know, I, I look at a lot of the analytics stuff. Do you guys do any uh, backend uh, data analysis in terms of, you know, time on site or length of the video, people forwarding it, people rewinding it, rewatching it? We do. So we have a split between what we will do and then what we'll advise our clients to do because okay. we're not they're not hands-on in their admin of Facebook or Twitter. And there are some best practices there that we um, can, of course, share about. Yeah, you can maximize the engagement on a video. You can look at how how people are watching it, if they're getting confused, if they're like you were saying, if they're backing up um, or re-watching a section can mean a few different things. The thing that we really focus on, we find that uh, for nonprofits, that level of sophistication is rarely, has enough energy in the organization to maintain. But the thing that we really advocate oh, yeah, it's a for- fair comment, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think well, yeah. One more thing for our volunteers to do that they, that, that, yeah. Exactly. And so what we, we try and make it as simple as possible by choosing the most effective- metric and that is engagement and we look at engagement as the measurable things that people will do to your video that are, are likes or likes or reactions shares and comments and those are things you can easily tabulate you can easily get a baseline as to where you are right now and then begin to measure your performance over time moving forward but the reason why, of course, you'd want to measure those three things is because then you're really tapping into what the algorithms of each social media platform care about. They yeah, care about right. engaging. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of mystery as to exactly how they score different posts or different videos, but all of them have put on the record and said engagement trumps everything. And so um, videos that do get 
reactions, shares, and comments. Uh, like Facebook's been on the record now, it's like comments is the most important thing for them to show whether a video is really engaging or not. Yeah, um, yeah. And they'll promote it. Like we want people to look to maximize that and measure that because you know if a video is deemed engaging by the algorithm then it gets sent to a whole bunch more people and you have an opportunity to really have an exponential return on your investment um, with a single video asset well and we've also seen on facebook that when we've spent money promoting a, a video that if the video is well done that it will also pick up some organic traffic because people will comment and share and Absolutely. so it, it amplifies the the advertising dollar Absolutely. And one trick that I learned from somebody else um, is if you are looking to do a mix of creating your own organic content and then doing paid content, only ever pay for content that organically works well. So release it first organically through your channel and see if it starts to actually has organic engagement from it. And then you pick the winner and then put some money behind that because then at least you're putting yourself on the best possible uh, foot to have a video that gets engagement even with paid. And then they can possibly even spread out into more organic sources from there as well. Yep, absolutely. It comes back to testing. And, and you know, the idea of engagement really uh, is you know, the minimum threshold now across all mediums. I mean, I know in the email space as well, it really comes down to, opens um replies people moving you to the inbox and you know and opens is the big thing and the assumption for the from for the ai guys is that if people aren't opening your email or they're not engaging with your video or they're not engaging with your posts on social that it must not be relevant and not good so they're not going to share it with everyone right exactly so when you start working with um, not-for-profit, you said strategy first, which I love. Um, the problem I often have is people come to me with tactic first. Hey, I saw this new mm. widget, this new thing. I want to I wanna do this for my company. And it's like, well, that might not be a good thing for your company. What are you trying <laughs> to achieve? So what are the, the, the conversations that you would typically have? Someone comes to you and says, okay, hey, I'm interested in, in you know, um, a video strategy for our, my company. Um, how do you start? So the first thing that we do for nonprofits, and I, I again, I, I have my experiences around nonprofits um, and my research for my companies around nonprofits, but I think everything I'm going to say would broadly apply to a for-profit context as well. Well, what I'll just add there is just before we go on, is that it's people that buy your products or people who donate to your charity. So I, I think that these things are so interchangeable because it's not a computer, it's a person. Great point. Great point. So Kyria. All right. So- the first conversation that we have is to tell them and talk to them about the framework by which we look at video, because we don't think that video is video is video. We actually think that it's important to look at different types of videos that your organization can make. And that for each type of video, you need to really understand the audience. You need to understand the rules of the medium and that type of video, and then understand that there might be a different measurement ecosystem that needs to be applied to that video. So we've identified actually seven different types of videos. Uh, this is, again, specifically for nonprofits. The first one is your core brand video. And so these are for people... These videos are for people who have already raised their hand in some way and said, I want to learn more about your organization. These can be longer... Um, we advocate that these are, if you're going to put money into having the professionals come in to help you out, this is where we would come in to make a video for you because this is like 
the video that explains your organization. Perhaps it explains your history, the problem that you're addressing. This can be explainer videos. It could be your origin story or really well-produced like donor testimonial or, or product testimonial video. So these core brand videos, we, we advocate starting there first because if you get somebody to come to your website through other types of video or other types of uh, communications, but there is no video on your website that's a core brand video, then they're going to be asking questions. Why isn't there a video here? I want to watch a video that explains what you guys do. So by starting there, that's really important. And um, the next, for nonprofits at least, the next type of video they'll often focus on are campaign and event videos. Nonprofits do need to raise money. They're always thinking about what the next campaign is or their uh, event that they're going to have. And so these types of videos, these can be a mix of more high production and lower production value, more user generated potentially, but that's another type of video. And then there are other kinds of videos like we've already mentioned on so far. There are internal communications videos. Uh, you can take that weekly boring email from the CEO and ask him just or her to hold up their iPhone and record a two or three minute video, uh, giving an update that way or asking other staff members throughout your organization to give an update from their area over video. So yeah. talent acquisition, like hiring is important as well to have a video that establishes your culture, talks about the vision of your organization and who your employees are. You can do training um, internally for different roles or onboarding volunteers, programmatic. So all these different types of video, understanding that these are all different and they have different rules. And the one that I, I'm saving for last are social media videos. Those are the ones who are getting so much attention and energy now, especially as nonprofits continue to transition to more of a digital first approach to communications and marketing so much energy and thought is being put into social media videos but there's such little understanding about what really works on social media um, and that's where some of the most recent research that we've performed as a company has been to help nonprofits understand what really makes first of all what what should you care about when you make videos? What are the rules for videos for social media? And we've already addressed one, which is engagement rules. The most important thing to look at, getting shares, comments, and likes. Uh, and then secondly, what are some of the tactics that you can employ to, in, to help stack the cards in your favor that you're going to have a video that's shared and engaged with more. And so uh, those are the different types of videos. They all have their different rules or attributes of them, and they can be measured in different ways as well. So your core brand videos, these are the ones that are probably hardest to measure. So a misconception is that people think, oh, whatever video we'll make, we'll put it on social media and we think it's all going to perform well. <laughs> That's really not a good idea. You can put it on your social media feed Maybe sure. there's questionable tactic in general, but for nonprofits, we're only making you sometimes a few videos a year. You're probably going to put it on your social media feed, but just don't expect it to perform in the same way as if you're making a video specifically for social media. Yeah. The like, core brand I'm assuming is going to be a, a longer video, like in, in length. And, and it's to, like you said, to bring, draw somebody deeper into the story of your company, not the first introduction you'd make by just posting it on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Exactly. And yet people have, they, people feel like they've, made a bad video or they failed if it doesn't perform as well as other types of video on social. It's just playing by a different set of rules. It's fine to put it on social, but the social media videos I mean, and the research that we found, and it correlates with a lot of other research that's out there. I mean, shorter is better. 
we, we were able to pull, um, we created something called the Nonprofit Video Index. We think it's the most comprehensive study of nonprofits, how they use video on social media that's ever been performed. We followed 778 nonprofit organizations taking a year of video posts from their Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts, and then analyzing them all. And then we were able to also identify what are the highest engaging videos by platform, and then looked at the attributes that are shared amongst those videos. And so lots of interesting insights came out of that. All that information is available on our website. But Good, that's just making you know what I was going to ask. Is it available? And if so, <laughs> where where is it available? Because, you know, I'm a big fan. The reason, One of the other reasons I was excited to talk to you today is, um, aside from my passion for the not-for-profit world, is that, you know, often people get stuck in this mindset, well, that's not for profit. I can't use it in my business. It's like you, there's so much you can take and and use from different businesses and different industries um, and draw it into your business. Great point. I totally agree. We're we're huge fans. Uh, we're, we're, we borrow things from Hollywood all the time for our nonprofit work. Things that work well as far as doing test audiences and market research and stuff. We advocate that you would employ those in the nonprofit space as well. So same. I completely agree. Same idea of the best idea should win regardless of where it comes from. And this research that I'm talking about right now is all on our website. Um, if you go to the strategy page, you'll see a link there to the nonprofit video index. Um, and our website is tectonic.video, T-E-C-T-O-N-I-C dot video. Okay. Um, and then the nonprofit video index um, is the study that we, we just recently published. So, cool. uh, yeah, going back to what works on social, it's short. Uh, overwhelmingly, the, the most engaging videos are under a minute on every platform. Um, secondly, uh, we identified the five main content types that are the most engaging. Uh, the first and most engaging content type is cuteness. It could be babies. It could be <laughs> okay. animals. I'm, I'm out. I guess I'm not doing any, any of those videos because I don't have the cuteness factor. I have to bring in my grandkids. <laughs> bring in the grandkids, bring an animal into the studio yeah. or whatever. Uh, so that's number one. But number two are emotional reactions captured in real time. Those videos kill on social media. So, you know, if in the nonprofit context, someone who just gets the results from, um, you know, a, a, an education program that they had uh, been you know, studying for their GED and they get the GED results and you're refor- you know, recording that live on camera and seeing their reaction, that's gold. Or seeing if, the- if, if I'm assuming if they have a good reaction. I watched a, um, an Instagram video today with a guy by the name of Grant Cardone. I don't know if you know him or not. He's a big marketing guy, a real estate guy, and he gave his wife this very fancy watch and she looked totally bored. <laughs> and so I, I thought, I wonder what, the, I, I mean, it's, I, I know the brand and it's a Patek, uh, Patek Philippe, I think is the name of it. Anyhow, oh, yeah. so I thought I'll go, I'll go look at the comments and see what people thought. And I was like, dude, she's not impressed. Dude, she didn't look happy. And I'm thinking, okay, so maybe you should not have posted that one. <laughs> this is presupposing that the reaction is a good one. Yes, yeah, good point to yeah. make. I'm, I'm assuming, yeah, it should be a good reaction. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so that's one of the main ones. Another one, as you can imagine, that's most engaging online is um, emotional stories of beneficiaries of your organization. Another one is topical events. Another one's controversial topics. As you can imagine, there's so much vitriol now online, but controversial <laughs> topics yeah. perform really well. They get really high engagement. Um, so anyways, this kind of those things though apply to social media videos. That's what works on social. It's its own set of rules. It doesn't necessarily apply to other things, but you should look at how each one of these video types has their own set of rules, play by those rules and then measure them in the way that makes most sense for that style. 
Yeah, I, I think you would enjoy the uh, podcast episode we just released today because the guest that I had on has worked for all these major companies, Microsoft, Google, Apple, Amazon, Facebook. And we talked about basically the customer journey. And so a deeper view into once you identify your customer, what's the journey they go through with your brand and why, in your case, why they donate or why wouldn't they donate and and how usable is the content? You know, so they, they do a lot of testing where they send people to your website and say, OK, um, go to X, Y, Z company. And the example for what you're doing is would go make a donation. And they will watch, they'll watch these, these mm. people trying to figure out how do I make a donation or go to the website and find out what their vision and mission statement is. And it's so enlightening. Um, and then if you apply that even to social, the same thing. So you've created all the social stuff and people are liking it and engaging it. And well, what's the next step you want them to take? Well, I want them to go to my not-for-profit page and come to my gala. Well, okay, now you sent this Instagram post. How do they get from that post to your gala? I love it. That's great. And we forget that. It's like, well, it's, they would go to my website, of course. Well, where's your website? Uh, well, it's, it's, I put it in the, I put it in my post. Well, it's not clickable. It's reducing the friction that's required Absolutely. in order to Absolutely. get someone to do the thing that you want them to do. Perfect. Make, make, make it easy for people to interact with your content, share it, make it easy for them to share your content and engage with your brand and buy what you're selling or, you know, share, you know, you know to, to be able to accomplish the goal they're trying. Perfect. Love it. So when the not-for-profits that you work with come to you, how long does it typically take you to go from starting point? So, okay, hey, we've met today. This this makes sense. Uh, we're going to lay out a strategy to the actually get the real estate out there and published and, and start moving forward. Great question. The strategy process can take about a month. And the reason why it takes that amount of time is there's some research that we do, but the biggest part and most time-consuming aspect of that is by us going and talking with your audiences. This is something that I'm sure you advocate and is easily overlooked <laughs> and it takes time. Yep. But man, there's so many times um, that uh, we have conversations with people or we're in the middle of a process and we come to a decision where, or come to a point where we have to make a decision and we feel one way and the CEO or the client feels another way. And uh, it becomes this contest of like who has the most expertise <laughs> or who wants to be who owns, you know, the, the, the dollar or the budgets for this project. Yeah. When really that's it's completely a wrong way of approaching it. The, the one who should decide is the audience. The audience should be the ones from the very beginning that told you how to make the piece, told you what they want to hear. And that we then even go back to them throughout the process. So we have a one of our services is a video strategy service. It's a standalone service. It's about a month. And, um, you know, if, if you're looking for us to also make videos for you afterwards, it's a great place to start because we learn everything about your organization and we're able to really fly at that point, but we can do it as well, where we just do the strategy and hand it off to you. Maybe you have an internal team or other people that you work with, but the very first thing is developing a baseline for measurement and then talking to your audiences to find out what they really think, and then to find out what they really want to hear. And, um, only by doing that do we get a sense of really what type of video we should be making, how we should be making those videos. Um, and uh, you know, from that, that then sets the whole strategy of how we move forward. So 
whether or not it's a video strategy part, once we get into actually making the video, it's a tough question to answer of how long it takes to actually produce the thing. It depends if there's travel, depends um, how many different pieces uh, are coming together. And sure, we, fair, fair enough. That makes sense. I mean, and I get the strategy part. And sometimes what I've found too is there's conflict within the organization. So not only talking to the customers, but talking to their team to make sure there's no friction points in, inside the organization. So when you do start uh, getting that extra attention that you're working towards, that it's a great experience for the end user. One of my favorite meetings, completely, and one of my favorite meetings is when we've done the research and we bring it back to the leadership team of our client and we present the research from the audience. It's so fun because all of a sudden you can <laughs> the big see- big gap analysis. Yes, you can see around the room people who uh, are, whose heads are nodding because you can tell that they've been saying that same thing in the meeting and haven't been listened to um, you know, over the past however many years or months. Other people who are shocked and who want to refute it because that's not really what their experience has been. It's so great. But when you are able to introduce data and anecdotes from real people into the conversation, uh, it just really transforms the whole experience. So, you know, I, I think it totally makes sense. You're saying start with your core brand. So you've got your anchor piece. Um, so that's your main piece that that's your your organization. And then once that's done, then you can you can I'm assuming you can break a lot of that content out and cut it into smaller pieces because um, you're going to get some valuable uh, snippets uh, from that that core brand piece you built. Absolutely. We always want to approach every project that we undertake as one of those Russian dolls, the Petrushka dolls, where it's like you continue to break it apart into smaller and smaller little pieces. So for a single brand video, let's say we're doing an organizational video. And then in that video, we're talking about your history. We're interviewing your founder. We are interviewing some of beneficiaries who, um, you know, have have benefited from the use of of your services. All those things can become individual videos for social after the fact, or they can become, uh, we we incorporate like a 15 second soundbite from somebody in the main overview film. But then that 15 second soundbite becomes part of a two minute conversation that we have separately for another video with that same person. So uh, that's, in our opinion, the most effective way to maximize the investment in doing video. Cause I mean, let's be frank it, to, to hire an agency like ours, it does cost real money. I mean, it takes money. It's an investment, but we yep. like to optimize that as much as we possibly can. And that being said, you don't have to hire agencies as well. Like of the seven types of videos that I mentioned there, only a couple of them really, I think, necessitate having an agency being involved or having the professionals, quote unquote, being involved. A lot of the other ones could be uh, user generated or could be much more lower fi, um, you know, uh, videos, lower production value that volunteers could be a part of or people that are a digital native, a young person who can come into your organization and edit some video for you because they do it all day anyways in their personal life. Um, (laughs) So much of the video that can be created for your organization doesn't have to be done by um, an agency or by professional filmmakers. So it's just a question of, of are you able to demonstrate whether what you're doing is uh, with the videos that you're creating are having value, adding value, what kind of value are they adding? And that's a huge, um, black hole for a lot of people have never really thought about how they can prove if what they're doing is actually having any kind of return on investment. So that's another one of the things that we really want to help people think about. Um, How do we know if what we're doing is better than what's been there before? How do we know if we are in alignment with our peers in the nonprofit world, we call our competitors peers, but our competitors, 
And then how can we demonstrate that we've actually had a, a higher ROI for video than if we wouldn't have had video at all? So there are different tactics to prove all those things that we go through in our strategy process, but everything from, you know, qu uh, qualitative um, analysis, asking people to rate your current video on a numerical scale of a number of different types of questions, and then moving forward, rating additional videos that we would produce together. And hopefully we'll see the, you know, the numbers go up. That's having to be better videos or some, you know, qualitative stuff like that. Yeah. Of course, there's quantitative looking at views and engagement numbers on social media. Um, for internal videos, there's lots of cool um, tests that you can take, like multiple choice tests after the videos to demonstrate whether or not you understood the content. You can have interactive video with branching, which is really fun for internal stuff to be able to show if people are understanding um, the training that they're going through. But then, uh, you know, there's also the opportunity to measure things in a way that demonstrates ROI. And you do have to be really intentional about doing that, but it's stuff that, um, you know, I'm sure you advocate all the time, Doug, of being able to have two versions of your email newsletter. One has a video embedded in it and one doesn't. And then you're able to have cookies that watch the person's journey through clicking on the links and going to your website and seeing whether there's any increase in donations. Same thing for uh, services that will be able to test different versions of the exact same real uh, web page live yeah. um, and see if yeah, it's version... all about testing and analytics, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, that, because emotion just messes it up. We get into this arm wrestle at the boardroom table of who's right. And uh, at the end of the day, I don't care who's right. I just care that we're getting a better result. So analytics just takes the emotion out. And lots of times we've still been in the boardroom arguing with somebody. There's this debate. Well, I don't think that that's correct. It's like, well, we're not asking if you think it's correct. This is a fact. We did this and this happened. Well, I don't, I don't think my customers would do that. It's like, well, I didn't think so either, but this is what they're doing, <laughs> right? So we can we can spend the whole day talking about it, or we can just get excited that we know this and we can leverage this. Um, so I want to shift gears uh, a bit because I saw something when I was looking at your website and your social that I thought was super interesting. Last night I was on a, a live stream with people from New York, California where else? Uh, several in Australia. And we we're talking about how the world's changed and how everything's gone online. And, and there was obviously a little bit of back and forth. Oh, it's all we're going to never go back to meetings again. We're never it's like, no, 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 say never. That's not true. Right now, we're doing lots more video. But the not for profit world, um, you know, the galas and the events that I would typically go to every year and the people that are trying to raise money now are not doing those events. And I saw something that I thought was really cool. And that was uh, your company helping the not-for-profits to carry on their gala, but through the um, the lens of a video camera versus sitting in a, um, a large conference or a restaurant. So do you want to share um, a study or an example of somebody that you've worked with in this time where you've taken their, their event and put it online? Absolutely. I'm very glad that nonprofits have video during this time to be able to continue to do some of the events that they were doing before, but in a different format, obviously. We're not able to meet in person and uh, it'll probably be some time before people are comfortable to be in a big group setting to um, sit through what normally would be their biggest fundraiser of the year, a gala event, you know, where you get all dressed up, you come to some banquet hall, um, have a nice meal, hear from a keynote speaker and a few beneficiaries from the organization. That's all been moved online now. We've been able to work with a couple of different organizations who have already um, had 
uh, a gala event or a fundraising event online through Zoom. Zoom has so far been the winner of how you would put on these different types of events. Um, and uh, some things that are, are good about virtual events. Number one, um, for anybody who's held events in the past for a nonprofit, there's always people you'd want to come that just can never come for whatever reason. Either they're professionals who are on the road all the time and traveling, so they just the schedules don't align, or it's a single mom who can't uh, bring health, uh, you know, childcare into the home during that time frame. Well, with a virtual event now, pretty much anybody can attend virtually anywhere in the world whenever they want to, and eventually you'll probably put that thing online as an as an archive. People could experience that in the future as well too. So more people are able to come. We also think that. Um, it's a way to reach new audiences that you wouldn't be able to afford to do if it was an in-person gala. I mean, every organization usually has a range of support. And um, for nonprofits, usually the ones who uh, overwhelmingly fund the organization are major givers. And for the oh. most part, major givers are on the higher end of the age spectrum. So a lot of times when we do a gala, we're always thinking about people in the room who are in their late 50s, 60s, 70s, what's going to really connect with them? What kind of experience would they really engage with and enjoy? Because those are the ones who really are making sure that we have the lights on for our organization. And that's the right the right strategy to take in that kind of a context. But what about now if we move on online? What if we think about having an event that does as well, I mean, still is focused on helping people in that demographic feel connected to your organization, really appealing to them. But then what if you could like take almost the exact same run of show, the same kind of content, but just twist it 90 degrees and all of a sudden you make a version that's more for 20s and 30s. These people aren't driving the funding for your organization right now, but they're the future. And if you can invest yeah. in them now, then perhaps it'll, I mean, very crassly pay off for you in your organization <laughs> moving forward. And so what if instead of well, having... It's not, it's not crass. You got to keep the lights on. So yes. there's nothing crass about uh, raising money for your not-for-profit. There's nothing crass with earning money for your business because you need to keep the lights on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So instead of having there be uh, perhaps for the older version of the, uh, the older audience of your gala, you have uh, a host who's in their 50s. But then for the millennial version, you have a 20-year-old host, almost the exact same content that they're delivering. It's just a different face. Sure. Um, and the CEO can add a few more examples that are more um, hip to the kids these days in the millennial version of the um, event. But the same videos showing beneficiary stories could play at both events, et cetera. So it's really opportunity there to leverage um, a virtual event to reach multiple audiences that you wouldn't be able to do or afford if you were doing an in-person event. Um, and then lastly, video is really a helpful during this period to do personalized stuff. This is something that we advocate for and a lot of other people are doing it as well too. Um, we don't necessarily record them ourselves because we don't need to. Like This is more of a lo-fi thing, but yeah. we've seen a lot of people and we advocate that you would reach out to your major givers by having beneficiaries of your program I mean, depending on the context and, you know, ability to disclose people's identity, et cetera, et cetera, willingness to be a part of it. But they would they would then just record a little video, you know, a personal video only for that major giver. Um, you know, maybe it's Bill and Susan. So the beneficiary, you know, has the cell phone in their hand. Hey, Bill and Susan, my name's Tom. I've been enjoying the, you know, the work of this organization. It's really changed my life. I just want to tell you about it and say thank you. And it's just a two-minute little video that goes off to Bill and Susan. They really feel like they were 
you know, the, the nonprofit cares about them. They feel connected to the work, they feel connected to Tom, um, lo-fi, but I've seen organizations like double down on this and start sending out dozens and dozens and dozens of these videos recorded by staff members, beneficiaries to major givers, mid-level givers, other people in the organization, shareholder, uh, stakeholders in your organization, just to personally thank them and reach out and have a personal connection during this time when you can't be together personally. Well, and it's an update and it's showing the impact. I mean, that's one of the questions people often have is I like, give to this organization, how much money goes to the the actual, um, you know, vision and mission of that and does it make an impact? So you're like you said, you're getting this personal video and it's nice to get uh, a video or a message from a, whether it's a company or not for profit with an update that's, that's not always an ask. So if every time you send me an email or a, a message, it's an ask, I get tired of opening those because I'm going to give anyhow. Um, but like you said, to get something personally, that would be would probably be hugely impactful. Great point. I completely agree. Well, that's really cool. I mean, the other thing is too, is travel. I mean, I've, I've traveled to, you know, I've, I've traveled to um, fundraisers that makes the fundraiser a lot more expensive when, you know, I leave Vancouver and fly to Minneapolis for a fundraiser and uh, my wife and I, a couple of flights and then hotels, um, you know, it makes, it's a barrier to entry if you want to call it that. So yeah, I think you reach a, a lot wider audience because uh, there's obviously people worldwide that have, you know, share, probably share the same passions that you do, but they're not going to show up at your event in wherever you are they're not going to show up in san diego or la if they're you know on the other side of the world i completely agree and i've heard someone say i can't remember who it is offhand but that um covid and the forces the the forces that are at play are not fundamental changes it's just an accelerant like we're already moving toward having things being globally accessible having things being more um using, using digital to make everyone be able to access these certain things. But like, this is a kick in the seat in the pants of like, yeah. now do it. Now you have to, in order to keep your organization going. And so people are jumping on this uh, very quickly and looking for ways to leverage these uh, video communications to um, reach people all around the country and around the world. Well, and I think right now we're seeing what I'm seeing anyhow is um, innovation coming to these events because you're used to going to an event and, you know, I don't want to give up the event. I like meeting people face to face and sitting and having a conversation. I mean, I can't do I can't get that same um, connection through video. But, um, you know, maybe there'll be less of those events and more video. I don't know. But I'm seeing a lot of the not for not necessarily not for profits, but the for profit businesses really trying to to I'm going to use a word that I hate to use called pivot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just because the marketers have ruined that word, um, that in new normal, that's wrecked for life as well. But they're they're you know, they're charging their people to come. And what they're seeing is, you know, a lot less risk. And I know, especially for the not-for-profits, I mean, if the businesses make a mistake and lose money, I don't necessarily feel too bad for them. But if a not-for-profit organizes a big event and puts a deposit in a hotel room and pays a keynote speaker and does all the things they need to do, I mean, they're risking, they're risking a lot. And I yes. know a few of them that have just barely come to the break even. And I've seen the same thing when they've done lotteries. Some of them have just about lost their not-for-profit because they put so much into the prizing and they didn't get the uptake. So I think this lowers the, the risk factor. I agree. I agree. And the dirty little secret of doing events is that you almost always barely break even. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, I, I you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. You're, but you're right. I mean, cause I know some of these guys, I go to their events and, and I said, so they're like, how much money do you guys make? And I said, no, after all your expenses. 
Um, so it becomes more of a, a you know, it's, I'm not uh, picking on, but sometimes it comes more of a social yes. um, for the contributors than it does a, an actual fundraiser because after you pay for everything, um, you know, if you're paying for a $50 a plate dinner plus a hotel room, you know, think about it. They only charge you $100 for the ticket. What's left? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it is a lot of people view them more as um, a relationship building event between you and the nonprofit that breaks even makes a little bit of money, but that pays off in the long term outside of the event because you have a, an increased relationship now with that organization and you might give or volunteer in other ways as well. So what advice would you share with um, not-for-profits um, or people that are our listeners that are involved in not-for-profits or even in business about, um, you know, taking a hard look at, um, at video as a, as a um, tactic? I'd say start by asking people what they want. I think that video makes, I can see where video makes sense for just about every organization, but I don't know your specific organization and what specifically video can do to help you know, supercharge what you're doing. So you have to start by asking people what they want, asking your audiences what messages they care about, what questions they have about your product or about your organization. And then I'm like, we've, you've talked so much about testing. I'm a huge proponent of testing to a couple of lo-fi versions of things just to get some early feedback. This is all before you put any real money on the line, but you begin to get a sense of whether it's going to work for you. And odds are it is going to work for you in some way. It's just a matter of figuring out what's the most effective way for video to be able to work for you. So would once, you suggest going out and surveying your, some of your, your donors, would you get, you know, maybe a dozen donors into a, a zoom room and, and, um, do a, you know, a face to face with them? Yes. Yeah. I do a, um, we do two things in our company. We do surveys and then we also do focus groups. Okay. And then, uh, from that we get, you know, the quantitative data and also the qualitative feedback about what yeah. uh, people really think about your work. That's really cool. I'm so excited for what you guys are doing. That's amazing. Oh, thank you so much, Doug. I, I'm very excited to do it myself and I'm excited to talk about it. Thank you. Yeah, there was one organization that we we supported for for uh, quite a while, and uh, what they would do is they they would look for qualified not for profits that were doing um, overseas outreach into um, I don't know what the right word is safe areas. There's some parts of the world you have to be very careful going into, mm. and um, they would send a video crew with you at no cost. So their whole not for profit was to business model was to go on these trips, these mission trips, and to document them and give them to the not-for-profit to use. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And yeah, it was pretty cool. So there's lots of really smart people that are doing really smart things. Um, so um, that was a good advice. So what's the bad advice that that you may hear or I may hear for out and about, uh, especially around not-for-profits? I mean, people seem to be have these really weird ideas about, oh, you can't print in color because it's too expensive. Well, we know that color produces 400 times more results <laughs> than a black and white brochure. So while it is more expensive, it produces a better result. Um, so, you know, that would be an example of bad advice uh, from a direct mail point of view. So what the bad advice you hear from a, should we engage and create this, you know, um, a core brand video and then start doing social media video or. Yes. The, the feedback that we often will hear from people is we, we do a video, we do it, be, we, because we kind of have to, um, because we think we should have at least one video that we do every year, but we don't really like it because video is too expensive and we can't ever prove if it ever works or not. 
And so I just always uh, begin by asking, okay, so let's pretend that I could wave a magic wand and didn't, you don't have to worry about cost. What, how could you think video could help your organization? And it's amazing how quickly people have all these different ideas of how video could help them with all these different aspects of what they're doing. But then they come back to reality and say, oh, well, it's just too expensive. Well, the, the bad advice there is that everything has to be the exact same quality level. It doesn't have to. You can have varying types of all quality levels throughout your organization. Um, as we talked about earlier, I think the most important to put money into are these core brand videos. But after that, people, you know, all day long, are looking at people using uh, user-generated user videos that they're recording on their phones. They would not have any problem engaging with that same kind of content yeah. with a nonprofit organization. And you can generate significant amounts of content with a strategy in place that'll help move your organization forward in all these different areas and uh, just to take the plunge and to do that. So I, I really think that the old thinking that it's too expensive, we can't tell if it works, is uh, a false uh, false reason now. It doesn't have to be that expensive and you can put the time and energy into knowing whether or not it works. And it almost always can have a really uh, profound effect on your communications to incorporate video more into your business or into your nonprofit. And I would assume that when they engage you to do this, that the strategy that you're going to give them as you build the core brand and show them how to use that, they're going to be able to take those learnings and apply them to, like you said, the the user generated content and, you know, have some thinking on how to create those. I mean, nowadays there's, there's at least half a dozen apps that are desktop resident apps that will integrate with um, Microsoft Outlook or uh, Google Mail or Gmail where you can just click reply your video camera. I'm sure you know, this boots up and yeah, I can send back a personal video to you in a few minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really, it's becoming more and more, uh, uh, I'm reminded of the quote that Zuckerberg um, said recently that video will be as much of a change, a disruptive change uh, in the way that we all communicate as mobile was. That's a profound statement. How, yeah, how yes, much mobile yeah. has, has disrupted yeah. our entire world. He thinks video is going to be the same thing. He's been on the record and saying that in the next couple of years, he thinks the overwhelming majority of all content on Facebook will be video. Not like highly produced video made by professionals, but like everyone just no longer putting that time and energy into making, you know, that little card, um, you know, or a, a graphic design element, but they're just recording video themselves. The apps will be so intuitive that they'll just add visual effects to a video that you've recorded yourself and it'll look um, like a thousand bucks, send that out there. But video will just be dominant way of communication in general in the next few years. And that makes sense. I mean, you've got machine learning and AI coming in. And I know even in the email world that, that has changed so much, um, it's it's almost frightening. Um, and we've been testing some analytic stuff. So we'd load video, you know, through YouTube or Vimeo or I can't remember the third party tool we're using now that actually tracks the the user journey through your video. Oh, great. So it's, it's getting smarter and smarter and smarter. And yeah, I, I hadn't heard uh, Zuckerberg's comment, but that's, um, I don't know if that's exciting or scary. It's probably a little of both. <laughs> Depends whether you've got a video or not. If you're not in the video space, now is probably the time to uh, to double down and get, get going. It is. It's coming whether you like it or not. So a couple of questions I'll let you go run for the day. Who's one guest you think I absolutely have to have on my podcast? Oh, man, the guy that I would listen to in a heartbeat if you got on your podcast is a personal, maybe not a hero, but someone I am inspired by deeply. His name is Adam Lizagor, and he is the a founder and the guy who runs Sandwich Video. 
they are the ones you've probably seen their videos. They're, they're, they're the go-to video makers um, to create marketing videos for technology companies. They're moving more and more into doing even like car commercials and stuff like that, but they're focused on the web. They're uh, weird and goofy and funny, uh, but and cute. Uh, well, they do. So strangely enough, you, they, you said cute. So I made put, a note that I got to be cute. They put lots of cute things in their videos, which I'm sure <laughs> helps. So they're smart people and they, he's a really great interview. So Adam Lizagor. Excellent. And now if people want to connect with you and learn more about you, your organization, how you can help them, um, how do you want them to reach out to you? Yeah, just please come to our website. You can connect to us through that tectonic.video, T-E-C-T-O-N-I-C dot video. Well, super good. I am glad you guys are doing what you're doing um, I'm, because I think that lots of times the the not-for-profits often are navel-gazing and they're afraid to look out and spend some money. And I mean, there's obviously times when you're bootstrapping, but if you want to grow and be relevant and and fulfill your mission, you got to keep the lights out on and keep your volunteers coming in, which means keeping the donations going. So you're going to have to invest to do that. Absolutely. Yep. It's an investment and I think it will one that will pay off for you. Super cool. Well, I'm excited. I'm happy to uh, to share this episode for sure with people that I know in the not for profit world. I've got a few people right away that come to mind going, "Hey, you guys need to look at this. Um, you're missing. You're missing the boat." <laughs> well, thank you. So, thanks for taking time with me today. Thanks for being generous and sharing, and thanks for doing what you're doing. Well, my pleasure, Doug. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Have a great day. So there you go, listeners. There's another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Um, I'm fascinated with the video world. Always uh, believe that we should help uh, help the world become a better place through not-for-profits and support those. Uh, love what Doug is doing with his team. And uh, make sure that when you uh, this episode drops, that if there's not-for-profits, if there's charities and groups and organizations that you're passionate about, um, that you want to help, that you share the episode and help them to do a better job to reach more people. So thanks for tuning in. I look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.